We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of 21 Questions brought to you by one of my favorite companies in McAdoodles, now open in Lee's Summit. If you are in the Kansas City area and you have not been to McAdoodles yet, you need to rectify that. And you don't have to bring your entire life savings to do it because you're going to get the best prices there, the best customer service, and the best selection. Get to McAdoodles for all your liquor needs. I am not alone here on this week's 21 questions. I get to do this with one of my favorite people on earth, my good pal, Tucker Franklin. Tucker, buddy, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Craig. You're too kind. Um, lots of stuff <laughs> coming with KC Sports Network content-wise, so uh, make sure you stay tuned. By the time you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've already heard a lot of it. Um, but no, I think that it's it's a great week. Jaguars week. Uh, Doug Peterson homecoming. Uh, didn't overlap with Patrick Mahomes at all, but uh, still interesting storyline with uh, Doug Peterson coming home. Always been a big fan of Doug Peterson. Yeah, me too. So do we think that they're inducting him into the ring of honor this week? You know, I think for so. His, I, he, clearly, they should. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. big Dougie P guy here. I, I predicted the Jaguars to win this division. And while they haven't won this division, they've been competitive all year long. So better team than everybody thought, but unfortunately, it's going to be a little different. 21 questions. This is the Q&A show where we answer the questions from the KCSN Discord. You get access to the KCSN Discord as part of your subscriber package when you sign up for KCSN daily at kcsn.substack.com. It is $30 a year, $5 a month. You get all sorts of perks, all sorts of film breakdown articles, and the Discord is pretty awesome, especially on game day. It, 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 it's way better than the rigors of Twitter on game day because uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of really good Chiefs fans in there breaking stuff down. So we'll get this started here with our good pal Grayson asks, in the small sample size we have and how they were using Kadarius Tony, whose snaps does he start eating into, Tucker? 
I think we kind of already started to see it a little bit. I think it's it's probably Sky Moore. Um, we didn't get to see Sky Moore a whole lot. Um, I was encouraged from what I saw from Kadarius Tony early on in kind of what they did have him. I know people were going crazy about his route running. That clip that the NFL tweeted out um, about his like hop step. He's going to be a guy that can get open in man to man situations, and the Chiefs have been seeing a lot of man to man situations. So that's a guy that is going to be very. Uh, he's going to be take advantage of those situations. So I think it's probably going to be Sky Moore a little bit while you kind of let the rookie. Uh, learn a little bit more. Um, that's kind of who I see. I don't know about you, Craig. Yeah, that's who I see as well. And it's not doom and gloom for Sky Moore. Right. Uh, I, I think that you're going to see Kadarius isn't going to play in exactly the same spots, but he might for this year. Like going forward, I think that they've got room to move all those guys around. You know, when you put McCole Hardman on the field and Kadarius Tony on the field, it doesn't make a lot of sense based on the way that the Chiefs want to run their right. offense to put a Sky Moore on the field as well. If McCole Hardman's not here next year, Sky Moore in that role makes a lot more sense. I loved the clip of Kadarius Tony absolutely leveling a defensive end on a chip. Yeah. I mean, that that's uh, – and I'm sure that Andy is just sitting there re-watching that one on the tape over and over and over again. It's like, man, this guy's been here for a week, and he's already bought in to bring in some heat in the blocking game. I, I, that's great. That's great to see. I, it's good to see him there, and yeah, I agree. It's Sky Moore there, so I, I'm I'm looking forward to see if the role expands. Uh, if McCall Hardman cannot go this week, and at this point that we're recording this, it's a little bit unsure. Uh, he might be a game time decision. So if he can't go this week, I fully expect that we're going to see maybe more of that jet motion stuff, return motion stuff with Kadarius Tony utilized in some of those ways. Still scheming him open, still trying to get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and let him work, but he's going to get a few more opportunities to handle things, but we'll see. We'll see. All right here. Matt K says, should we be worried about Trey Smith? He's not been great this year. Um, Trey Smith. It does appear uh, Trey Smith is a very boomer bust guy. And I think that he, he was last year as well, but I think the floor was a little bit higher. And I think teams have done a good job of putting guys opposite of Trey Smith, the opposition has done a good job of putting guys opposite of Trey Smith that play to his weaknesses. His lateral agility is not his best attribute, and it never has been. I mean, that was one of the things before that draft when we got, you know, we heard people giving Trey Smith round one buzz. There was a lot of uh, the draft analysts that were saying, I'm not sure that I get the round one stuff. Maybe round two, but not the round one because of the lateral agility, the ability to move side by side or side to side and mirror guys wasn't there as much as some of those other guys in the class. And you see that a little bit. You get a guy with some quickness in front of him. He's able to allow some penetration. But you also see the boom plays as well. Like Jeffrey Simmons ate his lunch on a few plays, and he pancaked Jeffrey Simmons on a few yeah. plays. It, it, it's just kind of the thing that you're going to get with Trey Smith, Tucker, where you're going to see some absolute highlights, and you're going to see some absolute lowlights, and that's just going to be part of his game. It is, and it's hard to win 100% of the time, um, and especially against a guy like Jeffrey Simmons. Like, that's why in that game, when I when, right. when people talking about, like, Trey Smith getting beat, is like, yeah, it's Jeffrey Simmons. Like, the only yeah. other comparable, I mean, okay, Aaron Donald's obviously on a tier of his own, but his mm -hmm. only other comparable, like, defensive lineman to Jeffrey Simmons is Chris Jones. And if Chris Jones was eating Trey Smith's lunch, we wouldn't be surprised, right? So yeah. there, there's something about just, like, who he's matched up against. Uh, Craig, I think you make a good point of defenses are now doing that. They're, they're doing that with the Chiefs offensive line as a whole, getting really bad matchups for this whole offensive line. Um, so I, I think it's it's been really interesting to see. I, I'm not 
necessarily worried. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is a dog, yeah. so I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sweating him losing a couple reps, a few reps. He didn't look the greatest, right? And I think Trey Smith mm-hmm. will be the first to admit that he didn't look the best in that game. So yeah, um, I'm. I'm not really too worried about him, and because he's he's going to get his as many times as he's going to get got. Yeah, he's still one of the. He's one of the best four. How about that? I was getting ready to yeah. say one of the best five, but he's one of the best four. Like yeah, that yeah. right tackle situation. I think we got some questions coming up about that. But here, Z Andera asks, do you think the Chiefs run game gets better with the return of Blake Bell Tucker? Ooh, that's interesting. And I think I think possibly when you add an, an inline guy that is like another blocker, it could help. But a, a lot of. I don't know. I want to see them run interior a little bit more. And that maybe this is me li- this is my live thought process here as I as I think about the Chiefs run game is is I want them to be better on the ground because it makes them more balanced. Obviously, it helps with the with the pass protection. It helps with a whole lot of stuff. When the Chiefs can run the ball, defensive ends can't pin the ears back. They have to play the run true. They don't they don't get to pin their ears back like they do when you throw the ball 68 times, right? Um, so I want them to do it. I want them to run the ball. I think I want them to run the to the interior a little bit more. I think I but I mean I, I do think Blake Bell does help in that circumstance where you can go a little heavier personnel and have another guy that you can trust in that run game to as another run blocker, as another hat. You can kind of get the uh, get the numbers, get the get the mismatch advantage. So yeah. right now they don't really have that. Like they're not gonna let, let Travis Kelsey block at age thirty three. Like that's not what they they have him for. He can do it. They don't want him to do that though. Um, so I think it, that that does help a little bit. I'm curious to see kind of what schemes. I mean, I'm sure. We've been talking about gap runs all the time. It's not going to happen. Yeah, (laughs) Um, And it's still going to be outside zone. It's still going to be outside inside zone. And I don't think the Chiefs particularly run that all that well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see. I I do think Blake Bell does help, though. That was a long-winded answer of saying, yeah, I do think Blake Bell is going to help. Yeah, I kind of identified on the lab. uh, I don't know if that was earlier this week or last week that – that really realistically the only change to the run game that's going to occur that's going to improve this season is going to be by maybe the addition of Blake Bell and getting Jody Fortson healthy. Uh Jody yeah. Fortson, uh, you know, did not play against the Raiders in week 5, did not play against Buffalo in week 6, did play against San Francisco and then obviously was out last week as well. Full practices this week. They trust Jody Fortson as more of an inline blocker. They definitely trust Blake Bell as an inline blocker because he's a phenomenal one. So having those two guys both in the equation, now all of a sudden Travis Kelsey's not playing so many snaps. You can go to 13 personnel with Kelsey and teams are going to still treat it like 12, but you can get a little more sand in the pants at the point of attack there. (laughs) Noah, Noah Gray is a very willing blocker and he tries really, really hard to move guys off the spot, but that's just not his game in the same way that it is for a guy like Blake Bell so yeah definitely could improve hopefully it does because they need a little more balance on that side of the ball yeah all right fcal 37 says do you think the run game and play action game would be better if we ran a little more under center stuff feel like it could give us more variability and scheme and options for running back and could help Mahomes not drift and be able to sell those play actions um Maybe we we called for a little bit of that in the off season. It was like you know you got to see a little bit more in training camp. Being under center, running more play action does make things more difficult on linebackers. But that being said, Patrick Mahomes 
that's not his game. That's not what he's best. That's not where he's at his most comfortable is turning his back to the offensive line, turning his back to the route progressions. He wants to be able to see it happen. Bam, bam. And he's got such a cannon that the ball basically teleports there. So while we criticize the RPO looks and especially from shotgun, you know, while we criticize all that stuff, it is one of the most effective ways to utilize his arm talent and utilize what they can do. So, Yes, I would like to see more under center, more play action. I, I think that makes you a more varied offense. I don't know, however, Tucker. I mean, the, the element of this, are defenses really going to cheat that hard to try and stop the Chiefs' run game when they right. haven't had success? I mean, even if you're doing under center, you've got to have sustained success before the linebackers are like, all right, now I'm going to start shooting this gap. You know, they might as well just stay at the second level and hope that Mahomes doesn't beat you. Right. What was really interesting, too, because we kind of talked a little bit about the rushing attack on outside the trenches. Um, and Nick Lucky was talking about it. This is just from the, the just the strictly under centered shotgun, you know, point of view. The running back position doesn't change like the running back position doesn't change from shotgun to where he is under center like that. They're the same. That's the same depth. Um, and. and Nick even pointed out, he said, I think running backs like it a little bit better when there's not a quarterback in the way that they can look at the defense. Um, so it's it's interesting to see with, with the play action, you obviously have to run the ball for the play action to work. They don't run the ball under center a whole lot. Patrick Holmes obviously doesn't operate under center a whole lot uh, with that. So I think think that that's interesting so you gotta you gotta make it believable right with the play action <laughs> yeah. so if, if you're not if you're gonna go under center just to run play action that's not gonna be very believable i mean i and i do want to point out here because yes it is true i i am with the analytics folks that you don't have to have a successful running game to have play action be successful i i totally agree with all of that it also shifts and changes a lot more when patrick mahomes is your quarterback like, because teams are just naturally going to play it different. I agree with what they're saying. A lot of what they're saying, you know, if if a guy like, I'm trying to think, I was going to say Kirk Cousins, but that's a bad example because that's a run-heavy offense. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if a guy in the, like Kyler Murray starts leaning on play action a lot more, teams are going to get, you know, going to try and play up a little bit more because they're not so threatened by the Cardinals passing game. But you look at the Chiefs, you're like, man, we we have to stop Patrick Mahomes. We have to stop the aerial attack first and foremost. So they're just going to play it a little bit differently for that specific quarterback. So, okay, we've got Zach here. What is a legitimate contract offer to Juju look like that he may accept from Veach Tucker? I'm going I'm to let you kind of start with this one right here with the caveat here. Juju was asked about this in the pressers this week. This is before Zach post this, posted this question to the Discord. So he's obviously from the future. Um, <laughs> he, but Juju was asked about this, and he indicated he really wants to stay in Kansas City, that this yeah. is a good opportunity for him and that he really wants to stay there. That's good to hear. I, I know a lot of Chiefs fans are excited about Juju going forward here. So, Tucker, I'll just kind of let you look at this. What, what's a reasonable offer, do you think? Yeah, it's really interesting, and, and this is one of the things that I, I bring up a lot just because the players don't determine the market, right? And, right. and that's kind of a hard thing of, like, Juju Smith-Schuster deserves to be a, a, a higher-paid wide receiver. I think he's played very well this year. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be upset if the Chiefs do shell out some money to keep him around for 
say maybe four or five years, honestly. I would not would not be upset about that at all. What the market is gonna say to that is might be different than like what people are willing to pay, right? Just because mm-hmm. of how um the market has changed so much. I was trying to look at his spot track to kind of see um if he had an evaluation because I know spot track does the evaluation. They, they don't, they don't have one for him. Yeah, they don't. Right. And, yeah. and that's, that's what I was going to say. So, I mean, it's looking like he got one year, 8 million this year. If I, if mm-hmm. I'm reading this correctly, yeah, I think if, I mean, he's probably going to get a pay raise from there, from the 8 million APY. So you have to be thinking about, um, probably it's looking like 10, 12 APY, uh, for a couple of years. Um, so, uh, you're looking at a contract that's it's kind of up there, I think, in terms of of the money. But I think probably 10 to 12 APY is what I would feel comfortable with. Who knows what the wide receiver market's going to be this offseason, yeah. which is what we've seen with like the cap boom and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking around there somewhere. Maybe I'm well, lowballing it. Here's the thing for that. Juju Smith-Schuster next year is going to be – 26 years old and i think we all forget how young he is like you you think about how long juju has been contributing at the nfl level you think about oh he must be approaching 30 he's still 26 last year nelson Aguilar and sterling shepherd at age 29 got 10 and 11 million dollars apy so juju is a way better receiver than that and is having a way better receiving season than that so that it could be a pricey contract and his agent would be absolutely warranted in, in expecting that. I know everybody's going to look at that and say, well, maybe he can take a little less to play for the chiefs and maybe he will. I don't know what his prerogative, what his priorities are, but as it stands right now, his agent's not going to completely torpedo the market just to keep Juju somewhere here. The other element of this, the wide receiver group in free agency next year is bad. It is right. really bad, and I I think it's very safe for me to say this. Juju is the best wide receiver that is on the market next year, and McCall Hardman might be number two. That's how bad the, the wide receiver market is. It, it is guys like Sterling Shepard, Nelson Aguilar, DJ Chark, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones, Byron Pringle again, Alan Lazard, like uh, Julio and AJ Green are both available, but again, aging players. So you want a guy that you can spend some money on, that market is going to be a lot hotter for Juju than we expect, which is why a contract needs to get done right now. And it's also why his agent shouldn't do a contract right now. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can can they do that? Before we move on, can they can they do that? They're in the window where they can do a contract right now, correct? I know there's a little bit of a time where they can't um, at the beginning of the season, I believe. But um, yeah, no, that's very interesting. He's probably looking at you know ten to twelve was a low ball on my part. Um, Probably looking at like almost close to like twenty. You're probably looking sixteen to twenty. It's a wide range, but you're probably looking at the Christian Kirk contract. And buddy, that's a lot of money. But here's the next question that kind of goes along with that, and we'll make this one quicker. Jacob M., what are the chances Kansas City cuts Marquez Valdez-Scantling this season? They have an out after this season, according to the spot check. Yes, they do. By the, I believe, the third day of the league year next year, if they cut Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's basically free and clear. There's not a, a large sum of dead money. If they make it past that, he has to stick around, basically. So um, yeah. they, that's basically, they gave themselves an out in case of an injury or anything like that. 
I, Tucker, I don't know your thoughts, but I, I personally, I think they might look at an out here and say, hey, we got Kadarius, we got Sky Moore, we got, especially if they are able to sign Juju, like you can right. say, hey, those are our guys that we want to move forward with and then maybe add a guy in the draft as well and try and get younger, more explosive at that position. Uh, it's certainly something to think about. I know his usage went down in, in the last game and people were kind of uh, worried about that or freaking out about it. I don't necessarily it's a matchup league, so like yeah. this team didn't match up very well with what Marquez can do. Uh, yeah. Now, this Jaguars upcoming game, zone team, maybe he can make them play pay a little bit more. So we'll see what he can do against here. I that's uh, it's going to be really interesting because the composition of this of this wide receiver room, they've got MVS under contract, they've got Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, but like that's it. Like that's that's the only uh, wide receivers that they have under market. So. I I don't a part of me wants to say that they do keep with him just because of they don't have very many people in that wide receiver room. But if they do want to yeah. get younger, it does make sense to let him go. Like I, there's one of those things where I think it's, this is a wait and see situation with mm -hmm. with MVS to see if he's not playing well. Obviously, you're going to get out of that contract, but I don't think it's going to hurt to have that body in that room. I, th I think Kadarius Tony makes a measurable difference on this wide receiver room sure. going forward. And, you know, Brett Veach has tried to, and Andy Reid have tried to kind of portray that in the media. It's like, hey, listen, this isn't just, we're not trying to get better over the next eight games. We're trying to get better over the next three and a half years. And I think you yeah. give yourself that out. So, yeah, we will wait and see. But what we're not going to wait and see is this ad from Liquid Death. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about some of these strange tall boys of beer that you might see in the bottled water section of your favorite store. Well, it's not actually beer. It's a liquid mountain spring water company from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And you might be wondering, Tucker, why is it called Liquid Death? Well, let me tell you, it's because... They'll brutally murder your thirst. That's right. Not only are they going to brutally murder your thirst, they are going to brutally murder plastic pollution in the process. It's wonderful with their infinitely recyclable aluminum cans. They also donate 10% of their proceeds from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. It's great. They've got four flavors. They have regular sparkling water. They've got still water, which is the mountain spring water. And they have uh, mango. They have... Uh, berry flavored and they also have the one i like here the severed lime i'm gonna go ahead and crack it on open and you can get a liquid death at your local target walmart 7-eleven or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn that's liquiddeath.com slash kcsn we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Great ad read, Tucker. Great, great ad read, buddy. I really, Thank really you. appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome job, bud. You got that hoodie off really fast. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> All right, Robbie asks, I am turning 40 next year and decided that for my birthday, I wanted to go to training camp for the first time in my life. However, that was before I knew Casey was hosting the draft next year. Not sure I'll have another chance to go to training camp 1500 miles away. I'm not sure Casey will ever get to host the draft again. I have to pick one. What do I choose? That is difficult. I feel like the draft is going to be a bigger event and the draft is going to actually be in Kansas City. So if you are coming to Kansas City, if you don't get to get back to the Kansas City area very often, you're going to be able to see and do more during that draft time period because you're going to be closer to Kansas City. Whereas if you're coming to training camp, you're going to be going to St. Joe, which has some fun spots in its own right. Don't get me wrong, but you're also going to be about an hour away from Kansas City and going back and forth takes a little bit of time. You got to be up early and all that. But training camp's really fun. Tucker, I, I don't know if you have a, a an opinion one way or the other. I'm saying draft, though. I think it's draft. I think it's uh, it's, it's I don't you don't know if the chief if the Chiefs if Kansas City's going to host the draft again. Um, mm-hmm. With the way that the NFL is doing it, they're probably doing it. I was trying to look up really quick, uh, kind of the layout because they have they have uh, come out with what it's going to be. It's at Union Station. So it's going to be down there. I think they've got the draft experience up on the top by the uh, World War One uh, monument. Mm-hmm. They're going to have all of the the games and stuff that that you like to play up there. But then down on the hill, down below on the hill below of Union Station, mm-hmm. they're going to have the draft and they're going to have the uh, red carpet and everything like that. So I think it's going to be a super cool event. An outside draft is. I think they did it in Cleveland um, a, a couple years ago. Uh, that was after the pandemic, I believe they did it in Cleveland. It was an outdoor draft. It's going to be outdoor again. Um, you know, trying to do it outdoors in April is very interesting on the NFL part. No, it's going to um, be awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's going to be great. So I think I do love training camp because I think that, and it makes sense why people love training camp, and because that's that's the most access you're going to have to that team ever. Um, mm-hmm. it, that, the way you can get up close to them, you can watch them practice. You can see the personnel, how they, how they operate, how these guys work. I think is something that I really do enjoy about training camp. And and then when you start to like, it's like, it's just practice. Yeah. But it's just like the access you get to these guys, you're not going to get this close to them throughout the regular season. So that's, what's really nice about, um, training camp. But I agree with you, Craig, got to stay in the city. I think you got to go to the draft. That's going to be a once in a, once in a, I don't want to say lifetime because I'm sure the draft will come back to Kansas City, but uh, who knows what you know the situation will be then. But uh, it's probably once, once in a life. generation, once in a generation opportunity there. Yes, right. Yeah, right. So yeah, okay. Grayson asks, "What does a Colin Saunders contract look like?" Colin Saunders has played his way into some good money this season, and I I I think that when you're looking at defensive tackles. There's a lot of those top guys that make in the 13, 14, 15 million dollar range. Obviously, not talking about you know Aaron Donald here, but the Fletcher Coxes, you know, Javon Hargrave, even David Onyemata 
made $9 million, you know, APY. So those are good numbers for that. I think that, that Colin is just a step down from that. So I think that he's going to be kind of in like that five and a half, $6 million APY next year. I mean, Derek Nani got $3 million on the open market from the chiefs last year. You know, he kind of sniffed around, wasn't there, came back for it was 2.75, but Colin Saunders, I think makes a little bit more than him because he's got some pass rush use. He's not just a run stuffer and he's got some penetrative ability. So I think he's going to have a little more interest, but I'm hoping the chiefs retain him because if he's playing like this, they under Joe Colin, he's been a big, big impressive piece. Yeah, there are some some interesting defensive tackles that have that are out there right now, or that that mm-hmm. will be free agents. Um, Correct. So I don't know if that really dictates his market a whole lot. Um, when you look at like kind of spot tracks rankings, is what I'm looking at. I think they just sort it by 2022 AAV. Um, he's down there a ways. And I do think that his AAV does go up, but I don't know if it goes up a whole lot as you mentioned, Craig. So um, I do think that his contract now uh, need to see how old he is. I just lost him here. Um, 26.2 is Mm -hmm. how old they say he is. So he's still pretty young. Um, And when in the grand scheme of things, so I I do hope the chiefs bring him back. He has been playing very well. Um, Yeah. It's that 2019 draft. That might be, one of the best hits that he's gotten good. from that draft. Good. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Lee 87 says, question, would you trade 10 years of the Chiefs in the playoffs but never winning a Super Bowl or one Super Bowl win with nine other seasons of no playoffs? It's the Super Bowl win easily. Like, failing at the, in the playoffs 10 years in a row, like, that doesn't do me anything anymore. You know, like, at this point, it's all about championships uh, I would much rather see a Super Bowl win and then just kind of dwell in the basement and have fun in the draft every single year rather than making it to the playoffs and realistically never sniffing a Super Bowl. Like, Super Bowls are hard to win, really hard to win. I know the, that that's the aspiration for this team every year because you got Patrick Mahomes, and luckily you don't ever have to go into the situation like Lee's describing here, but you do – I would much rather – just have the one Super Bowl win and then, you know, fade off in obscurity for another nine years. It's the hope that kills you. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> all I'm going to add. It's the hope. That <laughs> all right. Mike Denny asks, what is your favorite sauce to have with pasta? Tucker, you got a favorite one? Yeah, I really like a good tomato cream sauce. Um, it's basically just a good marinara mixed with, uh, you know, a good Alfredo. But when you get two of those very good things mixed together, can't beat it. Uh, Tara makes a very good um, tomato cream sauce. We have it a lot on our pasta. That's my favorite. Um, I do love a good Alfredo, but when you put them together, oof. I I like like a like a seafood bouillabaisse type mm. sauce with over some pasta or something like that. Just something really good like that. I think we can all agree what's not a good sauce to have with pasta is chili. Get get, get your stuff <laughs> together, Cincy. Get, get it together. All right, Keith McClain asks, will Trent McDuffie get a pick on the one-yard line like his rookie cornerback counterparts have done this season, and will it come against the Jags? I mean, there's a chance. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence does not see the field particularly well, and he's made some really crucial mistakes. And if he's going to target Trent McDuffie, which teams 
should not based on again very small sample size but holy cow he's been glued to players like i at, at this point i if he's getting a pick it's going to come because they're going to try and test him and challenge him in the end zone with a bigger receiver and yeah you want to throw that ball trim it probably coming down with it yeah trevor lawrence you, you mentioned his reading the field hasn't been great it hasn't specifically been great within the 20 yard line so in the red yeah. zone his decision making in the red zone has been bad um and, and i thought this was really interesting craig brett coleman equated it to like this is the season before josh allen took off he oh, kind of yeah. has those same okay. vibes of just like okay this is kind of what the josh allen experience was like just before he became josh allen they traded for stefan diggs i think stefan diggs made josh allen uh i'm not saying this stefan diggs built josh allen but i think that no. certainly helped him uh, it, it to does. have yeah <laughs> it, it certainly helped him the jaguars just traded for calvin ridley does that help trevor mm -hmm. lawrence become trevor lawrence we will find out and we will see i think that those are some interesting comparisons to make there uh but i i, I do think that in the red zone specifically trevor lawrence does have a tendency to make some mistakes so it very well could happen I, I do think it's going to be interesting that they have all those wide receivers that they paid. They got Calvin Ridley, and then they're going to turn around and offer McCole Hardman $20 million a year to be a field stretcher for him. Like they're going to, they're going to have a lot invested in that wide receiver room. So that offense better get going. Yeah. Hit him with a hezzy. What's your take on the running backs? It seems like they don't let Pacheco or Clyde get enough touches to get into a groove. Tucker, I'll let you take the first on this one here. I don't think the chiefs have bad running backs. I don't, I don't, this is, this is hard for me because you guys heard my thought process earlier on the Chiefs run game. I don't yeah. think the running backs themselves are terrible. I don't also think the offensive line is terrible at run blocking. So it's a very interesting combination of uh, what what is the part that is making the run game not work, right? So maybe it has – I think it's probably – a scheme thing. I say this again, knowing that the Chiefs aren't going to change their scheme and stuff like that. We saw, I think they they ran gap scheme for like a game and it worked very well. Awesome. It, is, yes. it, it was one of those things where you're just like, what? Why don't you just do that again? Uh, but I don't think that I do think that there are some vision problems with 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 Clyde with Pacheco. I personally really like Jarek McKinnon. Um, I have always liked Jarek McKinnon, just the way he's he's yeah. ran. Um, Maybe they do need to give a little bit, a uh, little bit more uh, touches and just get the ball shared around. But it's really hard to. You talk about this in basketball a lot with rhythm, right? So you don't want to take a player out of the game when he's out of rhythm. You want a player to get rhythm. So you don't want to, you know, give a, a running back a bunch of carries and then take him out of rhythm. You don't want to, you know, it, it's one of those things you got to feel out for game by game, I think. So I don't put a whole lot of stock into, like, the touches for the running backs in that circumstance because, it's a, again, a matchup league. Maybe one running back does a little bit thing, a little bit things better than the other running back against a certain team. I trust them in that regard, but I think it's one of those things with, like, rhythm, with, with confidence and stuff like that. So I, I, I don't think that I, you should be worried when you look at the touches. I, yeah, and I know that the, the general sentiment is, you know, running backs get stronger as the game goes along because the offensive line can lean on guys and stuff like that. And he's got to change the scheme for that to happen. If you're running, you know, RPOs in, with inside zone or outside zone as part of the RPO read and the offensive lineman can't fire off downfield, like you're not leaning on guys as heavily. And so if that's the case, like now all of a sudden, 
you're not giving the lanes to the running backs. They're taking more hits behind the line of scrimmage. It kills kind of the motivation. It kills the engine a little bit. And so I get how Andy Reid looks at that and goes, yeah, no, never mind. We're, we're scrapping this, especially since they played a lot of ridiculously good run defenses this year, like really, yes. really good run defenses. Mm-hmm. And so you just look at it. It's like against the Titans. Yeah. Titans have a bad pass defense, good run defense. You kind of see why Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 63 times. It was obviously the right move there to move the change. So right. we're going to be back right after this with a question about a player that the Chiefs traded for, but this adds from our friends at Trade Coffee. Hey, sorry to interrupt again, but I've got to tell you about our sponsor, Trade Coffee. And going to a coffee shop is a great experience, but it's not something most of us can do every day. If you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it's so much easier to get that with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so easy for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment needed. It's wonderful. Whether you know what you're doing and you already know what kind of coffee you like or you're looking and you need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans or however you make it your coffee at home. They will send it to you. It's absolutely perfect. It's a win-win in my book there. Here's how you got to do it. You're going to upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering listeners a total of $30 off their subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Drinktrade.com slash KCSN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We do love our coffee here at KCSN. We love our liquid death. We we love drinks. This podcast yeah. is sponsored by drinking. So right. <laughs> alcoholic, non-alcoholic, you name it, sponsored it's by drink. Boy, <laughs> it's a good point. All right. Daltino asks, what are your overly, overly optimistic? So keep that in mind. Overly optimistic and- predictions for Kadarius Tony's production for the rest of the season, Tucker. Hmm. So uh, when it comes to new acquisitions, I always uh, just lower the bar as low as it can go, right? That's what I do personally for myself. Overly optimistic for me would probably be like, um, I don't know, a couple tuds and uh, let's say like 400 yards, right? So, like, I mean, there's how many games left? There's like seven games left. So, Eight yeah. games I, left. Eight yeah. games left. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's about I think that's about right. A couple tuds and seven wait, I didn't say seven hundred. You said four hundred. Yeah, I said four hundred yards because I was thinking about McCole Hardman's season last year. I believe he yeah, had like yeah, seven hundred yeah, yeah. yards. That's what I was thinking of. Um, so that's kind of what I what me personally, I'm I try to be pessimistic so I don't disappoint myself. And that I want to preface that by saying that. Um that's probably what my overly optimistic uh, expectations are for Kadarius Tony. And for reference, that would best his entire season last year with the Giants. And I mean, yeah, See, you could definitely, yeah, you could look at 
what he did. He had 420 yards last year with the Giants, no touchdowns. But you can look at that and say, hey, yeah, the Chiefs are going to use him a little bit better, use him a little bit more. So I, I don't disagree with that. Don't disagree with that at all. All right, here, we're going to go to um, Casey from Casey. Says, we, we were just talking about drinks. What drinks characterize the <laughs> offense and the defense in the first half? Oh, man. The defense was like, um, oh, man, like dirty well water. Um, like, <laughs> you didn't, Spagnuolo did a good job of turning it into some uh, fine whiskey. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was dirty well water in the first half there. Just really disgusting to watch. Um, it, yesterday, if you guys haven't watched it, go watch, go take a look at the break, defense breakdown that we did. Talk about the run game a little bit. We had Nick Leckie on to talk about it from the offensive line perspective and the way the Titans were able to kind of manhandle the Chiefs in the first half and then the changes that were made and how that affected that. It's a really good watch from the offensive perspective while bringing in some of the defensive elements. So so go watch that. Tucker, do you have anything on the offense for drinks? Well, for the defense, I was thinking it's like a, you know, a poorly made old-fashioned when you when it's like a, a whiskey that's not very good, or it's just like very high alcohol proof, and you're just like, mm -hmm. whoa. But then once it gets towards the end, you get like the, the ice melt off, and you're like, okay, this is kind of palatable. That's yeah. kind of what I see the defense started off just like, whoa, but then it gets a little bit more palatable towards the end. Um, I, I think for the offense, man, the offense has just been so hit or miss. Um, mm -hmm. I think when, when you talk about it, so it's a drink that like, it's good sometimes. Okay. It's a Long Island. Sometimes yeah. Long Islands can hit. <laughs> sometimes when you get a bad Long Island, they are not hitting. Um, so I think that that's kind of what I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a Bloody Mary for me. Started Ooh. in, I'm like, man, I love this. Halfway through it. Man, I don't love this anymore. Like that. that's yeah. kind of the Chiefs offense sometimes for that is. All right. We're going to go down to uh, Zach's and Minerax here. How do the Chiefs? go about making this AFC South matchup a nervous sweat down to the very end because they have so far with every other game. Tucker, how do you see this game going? We, we kind of handled this on the game preview, so I'll just let you give your two cents on this one. Yeah, I think this is going to be a game uh, that I, I, I said this on Outside the Trenches. I think the Chiefs do control it, but it's it's a game where they control that's a little too close for comfort. I believe my my final score prediction was 24-14. They cover the 9.5. But it's one of those things where the Chiefs get off to like a 24-point lead but then don't score the rest of the time. Yeah. And it's one of those things like that where they're like, okay, yeah, the offense is working good. And then they do try to like run the ball with outside zone and it just not, doesn't work um, kind of situation is, is how I see that this game kind of gets sweated out like that. But it's really never going to be in doubt because I think the Chiefs are going to control the game. But it's going to be one of those things where like well, on the scoreboard, you could just see they could come back like they right. could. But you're not you're not going to be really uh, you're going to be a little worried about it, but you're not going to ever be freaked out about it just because the chiefs have controlled on the defensive side of the ball. They're making Trevor Lawrence make mistakes. They're making uh Travis Etienne not run all over them because that dude's a stud. I don't know if we've talked about <laughs> yeah. him a whole lot oh, enough, man. but like he's been playing incredibly well. Um, But I think that's going to be one of those games where it's like chiefs come out the Buccaneers game. I think is what I equated it to mm -hmm. uh in 2021 where they come out, they set records in the first two quarters and they like didn't score the rest of the time. So it could be something like that that I see the, them really sweating out. So 
So basically what you're telling me is an Andy Reid shutdown mode. Shout out to AHBKC yep. for that. Yeah, basically where you're just like, Andy, please put your foot on the gas. Please kill this off for us. Okay, gotcha. Yes, Understood. Uh, positive and toasty asked something that we answered earlier, but want to shout him out here with McCold nursing an injury. Who gets more snaps this week, KT or Sky? We think it's Kadarius. We we clearly yeah. think it's Kadarius there. Dustin asks, with everything that has happened so far, where do you see the other AFC West teams finishing at the end of the season? Do any of them make the playoffs? Um, yeah, I think I think that I think you're still gonna see the Chargers compete and be in the playoffs. Um Currently, they're a wild card team as part of this. They are five and three. Yeah, they're dealing with a whole bunch of injuries, but I don't know if anybody's looked at the Chargers schedule. It's pretty easy from here on out. They're playing a third place schedule, and boy, it looks like a third place schedule. So I think that they're still going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to push the Chiefs to the end just because that schedule is a little bit easier. I think the Chiefs are still going to win the division, maybe by multiple games, but. I think it's going to get dicey towards the end of the season. You're going to have to see them, the Chiefs, basically perform week 16, 17, 18. They can't just kind of sit back on the laurels a little bit and win the division. Certainly they don't want to because they're the number one seed. Tucker, do you see any other teams? Do you see the Broncos or the Raiders sneaking in? No, I don't think so. The Broncos or the Raiders, the Broncos are a mess. But the the Raiders have become a mess in this past week i mean they've had yeah. they've had to put darren waller on on the ir uh hunter renfro going on the ir as well both guys with soft tissue injuries so you kind of forced mm. to put them on the ir just to make them rest those soft tissue injuries um and then you you got their uh, linebacker who i can't remember his name off the top of my head uh who had 63 snaps in the previous game played 91 percent of their game just straight up retire he yeah. said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I'm tired of playing for Josh McDaniels. I'm done. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm tired of it. it. It gives me the vibes of, um, oh, my goodness. What was his name who retired at halftime when he played for the Bills? Oh, um, yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Why am I? Levi Wallace is the only name that I can think of, and that's not right. Um, he was a linebacker <laughs> as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So but, uh, he mean, was just yeah. like. I don't want to do this anymore. And it gives me the same vibes. Uh, somebody in the Absolutely. comment section is going to tell us who it is. Um, and I Absolutely. appreciate them for doing it. But uh, Von Vontae David, that's who it was. Shout out Jordan uh, on the other end of the screen. Uh, that's who yep. it was. Uh, absolute stud. Uh, when it comes I, yeah. To, but yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that the Raiders or the Broncos, man, it's going to be close for the Chargers, but I think you're right. I do think that they put the push the Chiefs all the way to the end. Chiefs have a game lead on them right now, I think. Um mm -hmm. In in the division, and it's going to be hard for them to see that they, that game on what is this next week, the twentieth, mm -hmm. right? Um, Sunday football. night football got flexed. Um, rest in peace to us for having to do a post game <laughs> show after a Sunday night game again. But anyway, um, I I think that uh, that game is going to be really big. Um, the Chiefs already do have the game uh, tiebreaker on them, but having both games on them would be absolutely huge. Absolutely, it would be huge. And the other thing that you forgot to mention for the Raiders, they cut Jonathan Abram this week. Oh, yes, right. Also yes. cut another first-round pick. Yet another first-round pick that they're just like, nah, we, we are more. done with you. I just an absolute train wreck over there. And the Chiefs still have them, still have two games against the Broncos. We do still have a good defense. Like I, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to go too far with that, but. Those are looking like much more winnable games. So yeah, that that Chargers game looms huge, not just for 
you know, the division standpoint, but also for playoffs standpoints for the Chargers there. They can't afford to drop too many games because the rest of the AFC, pretty competitive this year. All right, we're going to close it out here with David Borland. Most people agree humor is a big part of anyone's attractiveness. Do you think Andy Reid's State Farm commercial pushed him into the top five of best-looking NFL coaches? Um, I mean, listen, Andy Reid's a beautiful man. I don't mm-hmm. think that he needed the humor to, to really push him into the top five of that. But I certainly love the fact that when Andy was asked about it, that his comment was, I'm surprised I wasn't number one. Like, it's perfect. Right. It's absolutely perfect. It just kind of shows, like, we heard from Alex Okafor a couple of weeks ago. It's like, man, people don't know how funny he is, how how truly great his personality is. Everybody just kind of sees him as this kind of lovable big guy that's kind of, you know, over there, offensive mind and all of that. And he's just a you know guy that players like, but it's so much more than that. I think that... <sighs> Some of that comes through and some of that. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought it was funny that that somebody decided that they needed to rank the NFL head coaches <laughs> by attractiveness. Like that that is a wild one to me. What's really funny too is you got some handsome men who are NFL I know. coaches. Sean yeah. McVay, I mean Kyle it, Shanahan. Matt they're all from the Shanahan tree. They are all <laughs> from the <laughs> uh, you got some handsome guys. I named three of them, and I'm sure Andy I haven't seen the list, and I'm sure Andy Reed's number four. Uh yeah. right there, right there. I know that Andy Reed's number four. Um, but no, I think that the, that state farm commercial, when I saw it, I was like, Oh my gosh, Andy Reed's being funny. It's like what because yeah. as, as Chiefs fans, we think that he's just like so serious all the time. Mm-hmm. But he's not. When you ask players, when you ask former players, he's not serious like all the time. He likes to have a good time. Um, so seeing that commercial and the way he throws the pin, I think is very funny. There's just so much about that commercial that is just, is very funny. And I haven't gotten tired of it yet, which is saying something because that debuted, like, I think week one. And we're like, oh, yeah. what, 10 weeks into the season and I haven't gotten tired of it yet. And it is in heavy rotation, just like all yes. of those State Farm commercials are. I, yeah. It just it brings me joy. I imagine we're gonna see see more of him doing that sort of stuff. And you will see more of us on the post-game show. You will see more of us in the upcoming lab episodes outside the trenches. We have so much content for you guys. So make sure you like, share, subscribe, click click those. Click those buttons right underneath our faces right here to try and do that on YouTube. If you are on Apple, Spotify, wherever, drop a five-star review. Subscribe to the podcast there so that you can make sure that you stay up to date with everything. Tucker, my friend, thank you for joining, uh, joining me. Everybody, be kind to each other, and we'll catch you later. <laughs>